This is Richard Cloutier Reports on 680 CJOB. The body of 39-year-old Christine Stoiko discovered in her home on Redwood Avenue this weekend. We now know the person that is accused for this, a second-degree murder charge against her ex, Kevin Grant Clausen, a history of domestic violence between the two. The allegation now of murder still has to be proven in court. What we do know through the documents is a very long history. And in one case, one of the documents says he will try everything possible to get me to open my door as he is very manipulative, deceiving, compulsive liar and a criminal. 680 CJOB's Keith McCullough looking at the documents joins us now. Keith, this dates back how long ago now? The protection order was granted in late December, just before Christmas of 2015, Richard. But as you mentioned, uh, there's a a history here of domestic violence that dates back before that. But I'm looking at the protection order in front of me right now. And the quote that you just gave is ended by six more really chilling words, given the context of what we know now. Christine Stoiko writes, I want my life back, please. At the end of her application for a protection order, it was granted December of 2015. That's apparently the last time police were actually called here, of course, until this Saturday when her body was found inside her home on Redwood. She lists what she fears for her safety. Talk about that. And Richard, it's really, it's hard to to describe reading something like this when you can really feel the fear that Christine Stoiko is feeling sort of popping off the page, especially given what we know now. But yeah, she, she does give a list here saying he utters threats. He sleeps in my garage in the early hours of the morning inside his car. He phones my house. He intimidates, controls me. He comes to my home repeatedly, knocking on the door. And then there's a question, Richard. I need protection on an urgent basis because, and Stoiko goes on to write, he's out of my home, but he's calling and he's knocking on my door. He was there yesterday, approximately 2.30 in the afternoon, to try and get me to let him in. I said, no, I'm calling the police. He asked if I'm going through with the protection order. I said, yes. And then he replied, I'll be in a world of hurt. I've added fuel to the fire. He said he will sabotage my job. And that is the the last piece of information written by Ms. Stoiko on a protection order that was granted at the end of last year. Our colleague from Crime and Punishment on 680 CJOB, justice reporter for the Winnipeg Free Press, Mike, um, uh, in this case, Mike McIntyre, writes this morning about the further history here and that Clausen pleaded guilty to a charge of simple assault, a more serious charge of assaulting, causing bodily harm, break and enter and robbery were dropped. And uh, he also listen to the tapes on this and one of the quotes is this is it this is the last chance the last breaking point i want to do this i love kevin he is 99 percent of what i look for and just that one percent of the horrible addiction takes away from the life i want with him 
Stoiko telling the judge at that time, and it goes to illustrate that just how many times uh, spouses, in in this case, a woman will give a man another chance. Uh, in this case, Clausen was given 60 days of time spent in custody, two years supervised probation, and obviously in going out and seeking this protection order again, felt that her life was in jeopardy. We don't know much more than that at this point as far as the history is concerned and if there were any other incidents leading up to um, the, the the crime here on the weekend? No, uh, but it, it certainly sounds like, Richard, and you just described some of the history between the two. It sounds like this day, December 22nd, 2015, was sort of a breaking point for Ms. Stoiko. That's when she said, I'm done with this. I want my life back. And she took the steps of this protection order. Clausen was ordered to stay 200 meters away from her. That was the official ruling that was handed down here. Uh, Police, I asked them yesterday, they said the last involvement they had was in late 2015. I think it's safe to assume likely that was when they were called on December 22nd, which Stoiko is talking about here. So it doesn't sound like this is a situation where police were called repeatedly time after time after time since December of 2015. But obviously something happened to escalate this uh, in the months in between that's that's now led up to, to Clausen being accused of second-degree murder. Police not getting into, at this point, the cause of death, Richard, what might have happened inside that house, when the killing may have taken place. It is interesting to note Clausen also had a ban on possessing any weapons, and one of the charges that he's facing in addition to breaching his protection order and in addition to second-degree murder is breaking that ban as well that prohibited him from having any weapons. All right, 680 CJOB's Keith McCullough. Let's bring in University of Manitoba law professor Karen Busby. I think it's safe to say that we have all these orders, processes in place. Unfortunately, what's not safe to conclude is that this assures somebody's safety. Uh, Time and time again, I have talked to people within the justice system that say, if somebody wants to get you, they will get you. And, And that's the cold, hard truth, isn't it? That, unfortunately, is the cold, hard truth. I I think protection and prevention orders go a long way to de-escalating violence and to uh, signaling to, you know, someone who has been abusive that their abuse has to stop. So they're really important for that. They also are an important tool for the police because the police know if a call comes from a residence where someone, you know, a place where someone lives who has such an order, they know they need to respond quickly. But in the end, if someone is bound and determined to commit violence or to kill somebody, it's really difficult to stop them from doing it if they're bound and determined to do it. Are there legal ways uh, for Crown prosecutors and ultimately judges that they don't listen to a spouse that is pleading uh, and siding in with their loved one. Normally, they just want the violence to stop. They still love this person. And as Stoiko was quoted in that one um, court appearance, it's the 1% I don't like. It's the 99% that, that that I love. But that 1%, is there any way the courts can cannot listen to somebody pleading in that? Or is that just, does that pay, play a role? 
there's a couple of complex factors going on there. From my perspective, the most important thing for courts and crowns and police to do is to always signal to a victim that the door is open. So when you're ready to accept our help, we're there and we'll give you that help. So you don't want to take an approach that backs her into a corner where she can't make a call for help anymore. That's really important. So, for example, an amendment made recently to the Manitoba legislation says it doesn't matter if she's refused help in the past. It doesn't matter if she's refused orders in the past. It doesn't matter if orders have been rescinded at her request in the past. If she asks for an order now and it's appropriate to grant her one, one should be granted. So you don't want to back her into a corner where she doesn't seek help. I suspect, although I don't know, I wouldn't be surprised to learn that in this case that there had been contact since December, that there had been violence since December, but she might have been afraid to contact the police for whatever reason, or she was hopeful that he was getting help. So you you have to keep the door open so that she'll make that call and 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 you can aid her at that time. Karen Busby is with us from the University of Manitoba where she teaches law. Richard Cloutier reports on 680 CJOB.